Hello, viewers. <laughs> this is episode no, six of the Atkins Labcast, and Kate's you asleep. Save you can't say viewers. You've got a fucking Hello, eyebrow hanging down that is like, you are so old. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, you can't say listeners. You can't say viewers. Listeners. Listeners. Because most people are listening. They are. Most people listen. I don't know that anybody's actually watching us. Uh, Hi. I think after the three of you. <laughs> I think after the Ragney episode, people are actually watching. Oh, fuck. Okay. Well, no, we're not. A, look, a I'm on day four of the hair, so no judgment, all right? The hair's awesome. Day four, hair washing needed. Hair's awesome. Curly girls understand. Yeah. Um, so what are we doing? Who is Ragnar's this person? episode yeah. was a very good visual episode. Mm -hmm. um, this episode is Joel from Barefoot and Bearded. Which, for the ladies who like the hot bearded men, they're going to be very disappointed <laughs> that there's not more of Joel in this. I see. I thought this was, you're being rude about Joel. No, 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 no. The ladies love Joel. This Joel loves the ladies. Although Joel now has his main squeeze. His main squeeze is, she's pretty squeezy from what we can see. Th this is not a ladies perv show, okay? Says you. Okay, back on track. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back on track. Um, Joel from Barefoot and Bearded. Uh, one of the things, that, well, the, the reason why I wanted to uh, put Joel on. Yes, Paul. Is because there is no one that I know is more sure of who he is and what he does. Yep. Right? So yep. Joel um, is 100% like, Joel. 100% Joel. And 100% um, of the and time. you'll see that. I'll hear that in this episode. Uh, and one of the things I alluded to oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need more caffeine this morning. We are absolutely boring. We're recording Kate. on a Saturday. We're always recording on a Saturday. No, we're not. That's not true at all. But we're recording on a Saturday because Friday this whole week was a shit show. Of me trying to get the recording for Rose done and it not happening because it kept. Is this Rose the same Rose recording over. you've been trying to do for the last for the last month since the podcast was didn't it wasn't the first episode of the podcast us going oh well in a minute we're going to have a new thing of Rose and all the problems will be fixed yeah the fact is we're about to be very nice and like Rose a hell of a lot more because of the changes that are being made so you're going to have to be nice no no, no. we're making the changes Rose isn't doing shit no 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 but we're going to have to like it because it's going to be really good. Well, we're going to have to hate it a little less. And those of you who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, we're talking about Rose, which is our online ordering software, which when you start ordering with us, you have to use and you hate us and curse us. And then you work it out. And then you work it out. And then it becomes your best friend because it is a yes. killer software. The people who love it, love it. Yeah, it's a killer software once you're into it and you're you're using it. It's just a hard thing to get into. But a big part of the difficulty is because we have so many options and so many variations on our products that – what we we don't do what normal people do with Rose. No, no. So we're definitely Hang on. Searching. We're not having the Rose argument right now. No. We'll save that for when it's actually ready to launch. Let's talk about Joel. What Next I was week. interested and I wanted, what I wanted your opinion on yes. is, is a branding because Joel is very, very clear with his branding. Yeah, Joel's great. Uh, the branding side of things, like I love – so a big part of Joel's personality, which is one of our initial bonding moments, was his capacity for swearing. Or yes. cursing, as the Americans sometimes call it. Cussing. So uh, Joel's a cursy man from Curse Town, and I love every minute of it. And he and I, uh, probably he's probably the only person that swears more than I do that I know of in the industry because generally the industry is not overly sweary because, you know, I think a lot of people in the wedding industry are exposed to a really wide range of people 
It's on a difficult, complicated day often. And so everybody's on their best behaviour and that means not swearing. And did you but know, uh, do you know I swear American regardless. listeners are pretty like, they get the Are there hopers? any? There are. Are there any Americans? Are there do. any Americans out there listening get, to me? Because I'm fucking no, swearing they, every fucking two and a half fucking minutes. They get the vapors. Beep, 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 beep. They get the vapors. They <laughs> like. <laughs> they do. You know, they invented some of the greatest swears out there. True, so true. I just think that's bullshit. But so part of Joel's thing is that he swears a lot. And so on the first page of his website, he's fucking and ducking all over the place, straight up, straight, straight up, because. He knows that if you can't handle that, you do not want Joel to shoot your wedding. So this is the point about his brand. Or his elopement. He's he's very upfront about his brand and he's worked out that if people don't like that, that's not his people, right? And they're yeah. the people he doesn't want to work for. Yeah. And, and he's pretty vicious about weddings too. He can be really... Yeah, yeah. And and so you'll hear about that, which is really cool. I mean, he's balanced about it. I think, I think he's, he's reasonable in his... In his ideas, and it's very well thought through. Yeah, and I know he's upset people, uh, and he's you know we talk about that in the interview. Um, so that's that's a cool thing, but he does it with with clarity and understanding. So what I wanted to do is just quickly ask. But he you, also doesn't give a fuck if he upsets people. Like he's he's a bit of a sure. stirrer. He well, I don't know. I've, I've seen a lot worse stirrers than him. I think he's. I think that what surprised me by the interview. Yes, I I agree. I thought he was a bit of a stirrer. I thought he was. Um, like very sure of himself and that kind of But what I didn't quite really grasp before the interview is how much he's thought about all this stuff and how mm. he, how he's intellectualised it and thought it through. This is a very distinct uh, choice he's made. Yeah. And I think everybody listening in their life, no matter who they are, could could take a big dose of this. So what I, one of, what I wanted to ask you, though, is... Mm. We're going to talk about the... How do I... How, like, just... Like I'm someone who kind of seems to know what he's all about, but how Who's would you advise? Who do you know? How, who me, how I'm about. Oh dear. So how do you tell? <laughs> thanks. How, how how would you advise me to get a better understanding of my aesthetic and my brand to help me change my business and go forward and market it better? Or you know, like my personal. Oh, okay. So part of my branding rant. So I've done a branding rant. So I was for those of you who are not aware, which is most of you all of you probably. Um, so I was a graphic designer, ran my own business for 20 years prior to coming over to the lab about four, five years Seven. ago. No, you Doesn't dickhead. You're matter. always working. We're you always, always working in the together. background, but, but I time. shut my business shut down business and down. I came on full time and I was like, right, like five years ago. Yep. And so before that I was a graphic designer and I did branding and and your reports and websites and logos and blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of coffee table books, just entirely too many enormous coffee table books. I sort of became the coffee table book girl for a while there. Um, so I've also done a lot of work with the glory and the heavenly creature that is... Megan Morton. Megan Morton. Yep. We're yep. going to put that shit in. You got your little, where's your show notes? Stylist thing. Stylist. Oh, yeah, hang on, i get my... Come on, list it up, baby. So uh, Megan Morton is this sort of, I don't know, she's like a cult leader in the, in the making. We have actually talked she about refuses her. To be, in, she refuses to be an actual cult leader and yet she could totally be one like tomorrow and I would, I would be her like receptionist in the cult. <laughs> anyway, she has this fantastic talk. Um, it's a, it's a day-long um, session she does. Uh, to, she does 
I think she does two in one day. It's this sort of whatever. It's a course that she does on styling. Um, You're suggesting people take it on. Oh, I tell you, I think it's incredibly powerful. Has she got an online version of it? Photographers, no, she will no. never. She will never do that. No, she's it's um, something you got to go and see in Sydney. You oh, do. She does travel the country. Yeah, with Sydney it. and Melbourne primarily, but um, you just got to you just got to go along. What's to it, it called? Oh something God, we'll put in the show lo- show notes. Masterclass, styling masterclass. I think it is. And um, anyway, so there's two there's two sort of sections to it. Anyway, she does this thing. So she's primarily styling rooms and houses and sets for photography for like Vogue Living or Peter Alexander, Inside Country Out, Road. Or whatever. Yeah, all all you know Sheridan. She does all Sheridan stuff. So she has this thing that she does with her shoeboxes, where she basically she gets a shoebox and whenever there's an object that she thinks sort of distills the feeling and the and the vibe for a room, she'll put it in that box for yep. that room yep so each box is related to each one of her styling projects that she's trying to do and so if she's out somewhere and she goes oh i think that's the perfect green she can whip out the box which is needing that perfect bit of green and put it next to the other stuff and go oh, it's not the perfect green or it is the perfect green so it's objects yep. she's 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 primarily putting in objects in there or tear outs from magazines so she's not stuff. using pinterest or no, no 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 she doesn't do pinterest so she doesn't think it's a digital thing but is this just an opinion or do you think it's a digital thing? I'm, this is why I'm asking you and not Megan. No, no, because she's not dealing with digital. She's not building something on a computer. She's building a room that yeah, somebody has can, to walk around. You can use Pinterest as, as your mood board for… Yeah, sure. But all you're doing really is you're putting other people's ideas on a list. And what Megan's trying to do with this box is that she's trying to generate ideas through a collection of textures and colours and thoughts and feelings and then that is like a, a trigger point for the room. Um, and so what I talk about when I do my branding rant, which I've only done a few times but, um, you know, I've done it at workshops or whatever. Um, done a lot of one-on-one too. Oh, yeah, poor bastards who have to listen to me yell at them. Um, is that how she how, how I've sort of taken that from a branding perspective because part of the problem with branding now is that we're bombarded with everybody else's branding and a lot of photographers follow a lot of photographers on Instagram, for example. So a photographer will not follow other artists, actual artists, aside from wedding photography people. They'll follow a crap ton of wedding photographers. Now, if you want to generate new ideas – don't keep looking at recycled stuff, right? Don't keep looking at – and this is the size media David diet. Bowie. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't keep looking at the same shit. So part of the problem when you do that, aside from the media diet aspect of it, but from the branding perspective, is if somebody's got a really slick brand and they look really amazing, really interesting – like I saw a fucking brilliant brand from a photographer um, and his, his, his thing was, oh, God, good, good photographer. Oh, I've forgotten the name he had a little tagline anyway and he used soft pinks and blues and stuff and nobody does that like it was really unusual the way he did it and I was like oh my god this is this is the best thing ever and so what happens is when you're on Instagram you see something really amazing you go this is what I need I need to be all soft pink and pale blue even though you've never once liked soft pink and pale blue in your entire life you're like Just this is what I have to do out. yeah because it looks new and it looks fresh and you're like oh my god that looks amazing let's do that let's do that and what happens is that then you go back and you go let's do let's incorporate this into my branding and you change the color on your website and then you go back onto the Instagram three weeks later and there's some other fuckhead on there with like 
dark purple and green and you're like fuck no it's got to be dark purple it's got to be green it's got to be you know that whole thing and then you go and and so what ends up happening is you become completely disconnected from who you are you you become completely sort of schizophrenic around your own aesthetic around your actual where you're actually trying to go and I I find a lot of people come to me and go I'm trying to deal with my brand but I just don't know who I am and I don't know I can't stick to it and it's too hard and and one minute I'm this and one minute I'm that so what I try to get people to do is do the Megan Morton box, the shoebox idea, and have this little shoebox that you put – and what you put in that little shoebox are actual objects. Yep, like so a not, feather or a watch or a – Or a strip of fabric or a tear out from a magazine or a little – like your little – your little My horsey. Your little horsey thing. My horsey toy. Which is – no one can see because this is a fucking podcast. But it's this old vintage toy. We'll put a photo in the show notes. Sure. And it's got, you know, the sort of um, British race car green base to it and this lovely little underneath bit that's sort of red and the actual horse itself is sort of that old sort of walnutty colour. And so it's it's got its own specific vibe. Now, like to me that is quintessentially Paul Atkins, that little horse. He nods. Um, he nods, and which God knows tail. Paul Atkins nods a lot because he's a yes man from way back. Hey. But so this this object is would be, I think, an object you would put in the Paul Atkins branding box. Stop playing with it, you fuckhead. So what I try to do is get people to do that with their brand. And then every time you go on Instagram and you go, oh, you know, I really uh, loved purple and green and now I'm back to orange and pink or whatever, you can just stop all that shit, go back to your box and look at what you actually are. Because what will happen is you will change. You will go, you know what, I'm not actually all about pink anymore. But you know what, that, do that shit at home. You know, like buy a different quilt cover. If you want some change, your brand and your business is completely separate. Yep. So once you figured out who you are, who you want your brand to be, then you have to stick to it for a good oh, couple on. of years. You just said you can change your quilt covers and your fluffiness at home, but what's to say the one you choose for your brand is going to stick and be right? I mean, at that point, you choose it for your brand. You know what? Done is better than perfect, right? So, like, you have to at some point make a decision that that's where you're going to go and double down on that. So then, when are you when are you allowed to rebrand and change that? You can tweak, you can ease things into another direction, but I think if you don't give at least a few years to a good brand, and I, because I'm a graphic designer, I really recommend people speak with a graphic designer, make friends with a graphic designer, an artist, a photographer who's not shoot, who doesn't shoot your sort of stuff, but other stuff. You know, I think that that the these friendships of people coming together and 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 working together, which is what we did with. With just to bring it back to the topic, see how I did this? See, I could be on TV. The, with Joel. With Joel because we did the vinyl package yeah, with so, him. He yeah. was like, right, I want to build this thing and I want it to be like this and blah, blah, blah. And so I think, you know, you want – oh, stop fucking with my mic. Just leave it alone. Let me talk into it. I'm talking into it. We did the mic test already. Shut up. So I think that if you if you formulate something that you're happy with, you – you take all these things, you put them in this box, you wait and you let it sort of mix up and mature and fester around for a while and, and lay it all out and go, oh, yeah, maybe I'll take this out and put that in or whatever and then bring that to your graphic designer who's going to do your brand, your logo, um, for example, and then talk to them about that. And then and then you, if you decide, oh, no, screw it, I want a hot pink bloody bedspread or a sofa or whatever, do that at home. And maintain this brand clarity for your business. Yeah, that's 
That's really. I mean, important. you know, if Joel turns on a dime tomorrow and becomes like a born again and stops swearing and reclaims his virginity and waits to get married or whatever, you know, like the opposite of Joel. If he t- decides to do that, he's going to have to incorporate that into his brand to a degree at some point. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's there's degrees to all this stuff, but I think it's really important to have brand consistency because it's actually really hard to develop the brand consistency across all your products. So your emails, your website, your your product offering, your business card, your, all the, it's expensive. You don't want to do that shit every six months. You know, yeah. you want to do one and done and give it a good five years. Yeah, I, that's that's exactly what I wanted you to mention to people because I, I see it with Joel with this clarity, and you see it with people that stand out from the crowd that what they are doing is unique. And Ollie Sampson's another great example. Well, yes, but Ollie also is an ex graphic designer, which is why we get along so well. And he, but he is also somebody who is um, he's. He's really consistent, but he also then develops all these little brand projects around the edges that are also then quite different from his his core brand. So Oh, we're seeing it now with his Instagram little education stuff. Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? Uh, it's just Yeah, so I'm, I'll make a link to that. Yeah, Ollie's Ollie's if you're not following Ollie Sansom on Instagram, you're a fool. Yeah, and he'll and be a guest on the show at some he stage. He will be a guest on the show at some stage. And um, Ollie is releasing a whole lot of his um, – the materials that he's been doing in workshops, um, he's releasing it for free on Instagram. And it's really – it's an amazing resource of weird, fucked-up thinking that well, is the Ollie. Well, what it does – what I find is it, it just jags my thinking into a different – Place exactly like this Joel interview did, where I was thinking I had this preconceived idea, and then suddenly I've listened to it. You look at one of Ollie's one of things that makes you see things differently. Yeah, and, and that's a really neat trick. And it, the thing that I think is really valuable about Ollie's stuff, and I think to a degree with Joel as well, is that they make you think about your own stuff differently without wanting to replicate what they do yeah so i think that's the that's i think where somebody who's really somebody is really helpful inside of a workshop environment is someone who does that because often workshop environments are where they go well this is what i did i did a b and c so you do a b and c and you can be like me and that's not actually helpful. no that's i mean that's that's that's, that's a nice it's nice to have someone to speak about, but it's not someone to learn from. No, and it doesn't translate because there's mo- already one of them there. And that's most workshops, frankly. Well, you know? come on now. We can't go. No, no. But and pro- now who knows when the fuck there'll ever be a workshop again. There'll be workshops. Anyhow, enjoy Joel from What? Barefoot that's it? We're just going to like <laughs> record are. scratch straight to Joel. Really? Straight to Joel. You've got to listen to the bit where he talks about film. It's so beautiful. It is 100% It's like beautiful. really, it's actually actually kind of like gets you in there. It does. Ugh. It's very powerful. I was like, and I'm not a photographer, and I was like, fuck. But I don't, aforementioned, previous rant, still don't have a camera, Paul Watkins. <laughs> so have you rung? No. Have you done no. anything? Hey. When am I getting a camera? Enjoy. Australia, help me to get a camera. I'm stopping recording now. I've just got this flood of people that I want to, I want to talk to, and I, I think you know, other than running a, a lab, which is fun, this is the ultimate fun. I think, just sure. talking to people, and um, you're you came onto our radar a few years ago, uh, quite a few years ago actually, um, as someone who's got something interesting going down, and and then 
I mean, Kate was talking with you and, and you know, she's, she's way out in front of me. I'm like, Humpty Dumpty, following along in her wake and just seeing what washes around the place. And, and you know, I saw your stuff and your brand and you and I'm going, okay, who is this guy? And you, you just don't, you don't get it. And then you go and talk to your friends and other photographers in the industry and, you, you know, the one thing that is totally, totally clear is what you're doing in your brand. Like you are so laser focused with your stuff. And mm. I mean, you, you, you call your business barefoot and bearded, right? Mm. Yeah. Have you yeah. got any shoes on right now? I look, I do because it's. Cold. Oh no! <laughs> Damn it! I thought you were gonna. <laughs> no, I know. Sorry, I should have prepared. Uh, but no, it, it's just cold here, and I got timber floorboards, and I'm trying to save money at the moment, so no heat up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But like, literally, people that are booking you are getting you, and they they are your people. And if there's anything that I would encourage any photographer, regardless of the environment situation, is to be yourself and. Mm. and attract people who are like you. That stuff works really well for you, does it? Look, and I think at the end of the day, with every in every business, all we, all we ever want to do is work with people that are similar to us. So just so many people in the industry try and focus and put out there what is uh, the trends at the moment, right? And they think, oh, if everyone else is doing this, therefore I must do it and I will attract business. But you're going to attract business from the wrong people. So if you very clearly project yourself and who you are. You're just going to attract people that agree with those same views and you're going to be able to just work with people that are similar to you. And I have that heap. So I think I do, you know, I'm very passionate about sort of fucking the status quo um, and not doing what, you know, pressures around in society are forcing and expecting you to do. So I'm getting a lot of couples that are like, fuck it, we're just going to do this and we don't care. Um, why do we need to do that? Why do we need to wear a white dress? Why do we need to get married at this time? Why do we need to do this? So I get a lot of people that want to do sort of out there elopements because, you know, it's like, fuck it, who cares about the big wedding? Let's just go adventure and hike. And I, I like a lot of the stuff I've been doing recently have been like, they sort of just come to me and go, we love hiking and adventuring. Where do you want to go? So I'll be like, <laughs> fuck, okay, let's, I can just pretty much create my own favorite elopements and just shoot them. So it's awesome. That's insane. Uh, like we're so used to thinking about like, you know, I, I did went to business school and that and they go, okay, pick your demographic. Where's the most likely to get the business? And, and you're like, you're, you're thinking about that stuff and, and sure, that type of activity might lead you to more of a, a business providing, a, you know, really a scalable, growable income type of thing. But it's not, it's not life and it's not, it's not now. I mean, that mm. was the 90s. Literally, it was the 90s when I studied that stuff. But people are running successful businesses now. It's mm. really confusing, particularly in the, uh, I don't know, I think you'd call it the solo artist world. I mean, that's what photographers are. Now, you're a wedding photographer, right? Portrait and wedding? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, main main job title, I guess. Main yeah. source of income. Yes. Yeah. So I think in that in that genre, in that in that world of that, uh, the big studios they just don't exist anymore. The idea mm -hmm. of being able to go, well, this is the style of our brand. I mean, I could be wrong, and I'm looking forward to interviewing someone who tells me completely different. But sure. but I think niche is the is the way forward. And you've got you know you've got it. You've got your people. You're very clear about it. And I'm sure. I'm sure you're not sort of like rolling it around in, in the kind of luxury that you're, you, you know, everyone would imagine would be wonderful and we'd all love, but mm. you got the life you want and you're doing stuff, you know, you're making stuff happen and you're, you're being very true to, to, to mm. what you want, right? 
Look, I think I've been reading a lot of this book recently called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. He's like yeah. a psychologist slash businessman. He's and I've been reading, He's amazing. I, I, I first found him out on Facebook with all those little things that he has going around and bought his book. And I've been really focusing on that at the moment. And it is so true that especially in the – just like – I don't know, just in the older generation with Friedman's business um, logic, it was all in the finite, like meeting short-term goals, making money, right, and progressive and, and appealing to shareholders. And that isn't necessarily applicable in the sort of solo artist, you know, um, sole trader world. But still, like, people have that mindset of, like, you must meet this certain number, you must make this money, you must turn it around. Like, yes, income and profit is important because you need to support like a lifestyle and your family and you've got to pay bills and food and all that sort of stuff. But it's, you got to think about like what the cause is behind your business and like the infinite game. Because at the end of the day, if I drop out of photography today, like it's going to, the business is still going to go ahead. Like the industry is still going to be there. So it's like, okay, well, what is my bigger purpose in, in my business rather than just like shooting weddings and meeting a certain quota each year like what is the cause that is that I'm trying to pursue that is bigger than me and my myself that I can put out there and have this infinite mindset of like I will always continue to grow and establish myself and mine for me is just to create like conscious thinking about what you're doing in your life and and, and not doing what pressures are expected, to, you know, society's pressures are expecting you to do. So that's my biggest thing. It has nothing to do with photography. Right now, my photography is my tool that I'm using to push that uh, cause. But my cause is to, like, get everyone to think a bit more consciously about what they're doing in their life and not doing what everyone is pressured to do. So I do photography, but that's my cause. So that's what I'm trying to push higher and whatever – profit and income comes through that in whatever form, whether it be weddings or workshops or I know personal development teaching, whatever that is, I don't care what it is as long as that's the cause that I'm pushing in my life. And that's what I try and pursue every day. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so smart. I think that we we discovered Simon Sinek and uh, you know, find your why, Mm. Um, you know, maybe 10 years ago with, or seven or eight years, I can't remember now, but Kate and I did a, a, a course together um, and that was such a thing that once you understand the things that drive you, and it's not about it's not about the things that you think logically um, make sense, so that it gives you the best chance for quote unquote success. It's the mm. stuff that's dear to you, the stuff that that mm. you're reflecting back. And um, one of Kate's friends, and she'll talk about it sometime uh, when we can nail her down for it. Has this thing about finding who you are, and mm. it's about collecting things, physical items. Even things like, you know, if you're a Pinterest person, Pinterest stuff, um, but collecting things that mean something to you and just grabbing them, right, and sticking them away and then reviewing it periodically and going, oh, my God, I actually really like uh, whatever it might be. Um, And once you discover that stuff, you can start reflecting it back through what you're setting up as a business and how you're thinking as a business. Mm. Uh, And and for you, like, that's just – I think it really comes natural to you because you started the – I mean – the thing that that struck me first of all was Kate said, "Here's a guy that's just encouraging elopements, encouraging small weddings, um, mm. and and you know being passionate about it and being like right out there." So, do do you get? Uh, I mean, you're going to get people who are thinking about small weddings and and that kind of stuff. But do you get big wedding inquiries and that kind of stuff? Or how does it all work? Yeah. So look, the like like I said necessarily, and my 
tagline for my business is fuck traditions, do it your way, right? I'm very out there about I can list most traditions, tell you where the basis of them come from and like the history of them and why couples are doing it and like like an, an alternative. But it's not necessarily like like I said before, it's not necessarily about doing everyone should do an intimate wedding or an intimate elopement or whatever. It's just about just conscious thinking about instead of going like, Hey, this is like this, the structure that society has put in place of expectations of what I need to do to get married. Cause that's what it is. Elopements, registry offices, weddings, whatever, the same fucking result for all three of them is yep. getting married. Right. So people need to think more consciously about that. So I still get weddings and I have not got a problem with shooting 150 person wedding. If that is, consciously what the couple's relationship is yep, and yep. what they are like as individuals because no two individuals are the same no two couples are the same so why in our industry is it common to go back to the same venue 30 fucking times in a year and shoot the same wedding and the same dress with the same florist like i don't understand why that's a thing like we should be focusing on we're in the industry not of weddings we're in the industry of marriages and all you actually need to do for a fucking marriage is say a sentence each the celebrant say sentence, someone else needs to fucking hear it. Two people need to hear it and sign a bit of paper. That's all that is required to get the same result of a wedding elopement or a registry office, whatever. That's 100%. all it is. So we need to start thinking about that as a concept, I think, because at the end of the day, if you had like, it's so common to get wedding inquiries and go, oh, we just want a big party. And I'm like, would you spend $60,000 on a fucking big party any other time of year? No. So why are you doing it now? You know, like, that's so much money with 60 grand as if you could elope. Let's just think about if you want to like, this is the extremist, right? Say example, you had $60,000 in your bank account. You could elope pretty much anywhere in the fucking world and get whatever dress you want, whatever suit you want, whatever celebrant and whatever photographer, because that's pretty much like all you need. You'd actually don't even need a photographer. You just need a celebrant. You could do that anywhere in the world for like maybe 10, 15 grand. Yeah. You have $35,000 or $45,000 left in your fucking bank account. Why don't you go traveling around the world for like a year or two or like buy a house? Like that is the long, that like traveling for a year is going to do so much more for your relationship than having a big fucking wedding. But yeah. that is like, that is a very extreme concept. Like I shot a wedding at the end of last year and it was like 130 people and it was probably one of the best weddings I ever had because they were re renowned for holding big parties, right? Like yeah, that was yeah, their thing. Yeah. They were very social animals. And we went out and got some really cool portraits on Sunset too, but it was just a sick party. Like I remember going away from that going, do I actually love weddings again? Like, do I love big weddings again? <laughs> it wasn't necessarily that. And, I, and it's not that I don't like weddings. I just don't like going to elopements, intimate weddings or weddings where I feel that the couple are just doing it because it's of the pressures and the expectations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. to go to jobs and or shoots or marriages or whatever where i go okay that was you guys you know and that is representative of your relationship and you guys have individuals and it's not unfortunately it's not very fucking often that that happens you know there's just pressures and expectations that are around us everywhere that is like to get married this is what you need to do you need to get these things right and it's like yeah if you want to do that for your own reason that's fucking sweet you know, you just got to do what is best representative of you guys as a relationship and you as individuals. But people just need that conscious thinking, you know, and not worry about pissing off fucking Aunt Selma because she's not going to be able to make you a fucking wedding cake, you know, like because everyone just is too worried about that offending people and upsetting people. Being offended is like a choice. You know, you can choose to be offended. So 
if they'll fucking get over it, if they're family and they love you and you choose to elope in fucking Antarctica and your mum gets a shits because she's not there and if she <laughs> holds that grudge against you forever, that says more about her than you. You know, yeah. she, what your family should do is support you and encourage you to do whatever you want, love and whatever makes you happy because that's all they do throughout your relationship. And then when it comes to the wedding, they don't care about your fucking opinions. Everyone's a wedding specialist when everyone else gets engaged. So yeah. I, yeah. just the conscious thinking, that's all I'm trying to portray, you know? Yeah, no, no, you're spot on. And I think um, like we're probably cycling through that judgment era and, and you know, culturally it was important for a family to witness the wedding. It was important. I mean, you used to, used to witness a bloody, you know, wedding night. Sex, yeah, sure. you know that was a that was a thing back in back back, and it wasn't like it was a long time ago, but it wasn't that damn long ago. Yeah, that, that that's what we did. So the actual witnessing of the nuptials and that kind of stuff. Look, culturally, I, I get the importance of it, and people recreate ceremonies and and they mm. do that. But you know, if you're just going to go and have a like you have your elopement, and you come back and you have a party, and you bring all those people together, and you then do something together that that makes Aunt Selma happy. Um, mm. You know that's going to still be a lot cheaper than uh, than a wedding because you put the W word in front of anything with um <laughs> with catering and whatever it yeah. suddenly gets pretty expensive because of the, I understand it's the drama it's sure. there is more drama than not involved with with a lot of weddings and mm. yeah it's really cool that you you're laser focused because I'm sure it's isolated some of your clients and I'm sure it's affected uh, you know the way you, you know the amount of money you possibly could have made but yeah. it's making you do what you want to do and how you want to do it. And I think that's that's really cool. And, you know, a couple of things that have happened over the years since we've been working together, like mm. we developed the the album cover product with you, yeah. the, the record sleeve, the vinyl sleeve with you. You guys fucking nailed that, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. No, we, we just love it. It's just like learning from people like yourself is, is how we want to run our business. And it's just produced something that's really cool and, and interesting. And mm. it reflects this idea that, you know, those it's typically a double sleeve, right? So it's a couple. You've mm. got a, a left and a right. You've got an A and a B side to records. There's so many metaphors with vinyl. Mm. And you shoot a bit of film as well, not exclusively, but, you know, film's a part of your workflow, right? I, I really wish it was exclusively just to shoot film yeah. uh, for, for so many reasons. But, yeah, like the whole analogue world just consumes my creative mind, consumes it. It's amazing. It's special, isn't it? It's It's... I, it's you know unfortunately right now in this point in time I thought we'd shaken off the judgment with film photographers versus digital but I still hear like why in the hell would you do that from some digital people and I and I don't know it's obviously a personality thing that works but there is something about creating something that that's you get what you get mm. and it comes out of it and it's got a look and a feel I don't know I'm not really good at this well we we probably should you you'd probably would speak more for why you choose film let's let's have a go like what does yep. film mean to you um i think i think in our world right now we are so heavily influenced by media and it's so saturated right and at, at the moment it, it, and it's it's photography is becoming so much harder because it's becoming so much easier like anyone can go buy a half decent digital camera, pretty much switch it to auto, get a good shot, like a decent shot, like not amazing and groundbreaking because there's a difference between good gear, taking a good shot and then a good eye, right? You can't really, you know, there's two different totally. there. Um, but it's just the whole like 
I, I got to a point where, I don't know, especially with Instagram and all the shit that you see on Instagram and just how fucking regurgitated everything is, you just don't know what's real anymore and what's been just recreated just for the fucking like button. And what I like about film is that, well, like if you want to talk about it just from a broad perspective, like the pressure, like every time you hit that button, it, it you can't fucking see what's there. And that's what comes back is what is, you know, like there's no, you can alter it, whatever, but like most people don't, you shoot film for what it is. Right. And I love the, just the fact, like what blows my mind is, you know, I did a trip to Nepal um, last year and shot a few rolls of 35 mil and sent it to you guys. And you guys did an amazing job developing those. And when I got the negatives back and I was looking at the negatives, I remember just, thinking to my head like holy shit when i was standing on that mountain taking a photo of everest this actual fucking negative that i'm holding in my hand was there with me like it was between my eye and the mountain like like that's that's how that that actual negative was closer to the mountain than i was like and it was breathing the same air and it's this thing that's been like built and constructed in chemistry and labs and it's just been confined into into complete darkness for its whole life and then it transports to you you open <laughs> it you put it in this fucking camera that you just somehow hopefully it will fucking work because it's so fucking old <laughs> and, then, and then and then you press this button that opens this hole and this whole thing that's been living its life in darkness for so long gets to see a bit of light and that and and that bit of light gets projected permanently onto that and then it gets and then it's like just held again in darkness it's just had one vision its whole life it's held again in darkness i send it all the way to you guys it goes to another dark room gets put in some chemicals and then we get to see what that thing saw and that's it (laughs) like how fucking cool like that is the best we get to live every day looking at like all these things around us but film has one 500th of a second or one fucking however long your shutter speed is to look at something and that's the only thing it will ever see and that's it. And it's permanently ingrained on that thing. And it's just like, that's it. That's its life done. And you're like, holy shit, what's such a long process and such a beautiful, long, creative process leads up to one 500th of a second that that gets to see and that's it. Like, it, it's almost like a, a like a, a symbolism of life. I don't know. You can get into that so philosophically, but it's just so beautiful that process like it's so long and beautiful but then so short and abrupt and then like results in permanency i don't know it's just amazing i I think about it like that a life thing and you can blabber on about how it looks artistically and all that sort of stuff which i'm sure you've heard and you feel and everyone else that shoots film feels but i think it's more i think it's more just the life of the film like every time i hit that shutter like how important that is to like life i don't know it's just beautiful i love it oh that's that's the best like I have never heard it put that way, honest to God. <laughs> I, I've thought about it, and I'm always, I'm so stupidly analytical about stuff, and I yet I've always been such a fan of poetry and and metaphor and that, and uh, I'd never seen that, and um, never saw it the way, so I'm so glad. I'm just, I was looking down going, I hope this is fucking recording now, so <laughs> I don't miss any of that. So yeah. I got it, man. I got it. It was... Um, yeah, I totally understand it. And the funny thing is we hang on to these cameras and I can see them over your shoulder there. We hang on to them. They are nice little objects. And even the, even the diehardiest of digital doodos, 
have held on to a film camera at some stage because mm. mechanically they sat on the sofa watching TV, winding yeah. it on. You know, there's nothing nicer than a Hasselblad winding it on and feeling all those little bits moving. Um, okay. You know, it's, it's like a beautiful watch. Uh, mm. It's an object, you know. It's a, and, and humans have a really distinct relationship to objects. We've mm. been carrying things in our loincloth since, you know, we were, um, you know, cavemen or whatever, you know, mm. Neanderthals or whatever. We were carrying things that kept something meaning to us. And, and I think at our DNA, heart of it, we want to do that. And so you've got that. Mm. And then, you know, you throw into the fact that it actually still works. Mm. And, you know, we, we hope it still works. We keep our fingers crossed, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I secretly, you know, whisper to George Eastman's ghost in my head saying, please keep yeah. making this stuff. Because <laughs> not that it's so, it's so not a business anymore, unfortunately. Mm. We do get people like yourself. We've got a few people. It's not we've got a guy that comes in at the moment because of our, the COVID situation. We're processing on Fridays only. And he's mm. run off his feet on Fridays. But, you know, that was a five-day-a-week job. And it's been three days a week for the last couple of years, thanks to people like yourself and Mark Doring and, um, and Aaron and, you know, people mm. playing around with film and making it their thing. Mm. But it's one of these things that is unstable. And mm. we, you know, unstable in that we don't know what's going to happen with supply. Um, mm. And I, as I said, I, I whispered Eastman's ghost and, and hope that uh, we still get it and um, because, because of all of that stuff. And it just is a really lovely thing. And you're right, it's, the, it's a little object that goes and it comes. And, and the photographs, they shouldn't be ethereal ones and zeros. They should be little objects that we love. I keep mm. pictures of my kids in my wallet um, mm. just because that little six, five-centimetre print... Mm. that's all it does. Like if mm. I pick up my phone and I look at the photos on my phone, you know, mm. there's a lot of stuff on there. There's pictures of receipts, there's car parks, mm. there's, there's yeah. you know, there's probably a, a dirty picture or two, you know, <laughs> you know something I've sent to someone or, um, you know, uh, send nudes. When they ask you to send nudes, apparently you're meant to send nudes. Um, and yeah. so you're looking at your phone and there's nasty phone calls and there's appointments you've got to make and, and there's pictures of your kids amongst that stuff and your, and your loved ones and that. And you go, hang on, all this is in, in a mixed bag. Mm. But when I pull that print out, it has one job to do. Mm. It has that Have one you- job. Do you know um, that uh, famous painting, This Is Not a Pipe by Renee Margot? Sinipone Pipe, yeah. Yeah, it's like I that yeah. is, I, I think about that a lot when it comes to film too, right? It's like, you know, the most perfect form of anything is the thought of, but then every single thing that is a representation or like a further, you know, distancing from the thought is less and less perfect. And I think like when you're shooting analog and Polaroid is a fucking perfect example of it as well. Um, that is like the closest form of a perfect photo you can get because with digital, I feel like it's like this, it's still the same process, right? But it's not just a once in a lifetime life thing. That thing has multiple lives and it can just, like you said, has this like serial number of numbers that gets transferred digitally in this like, airy mystical thing that we don't understand from one little memory card to the computer and then we can look at it and make therefore another adjustment to it so and then we can go all right now we can export it and then we go cool that goes now another adjustment that goes to the desktop and then another adjustment from the desktop to the phone and then what about the phone to the print it's like there's like 30 steps there that you have from the perfect image to what we actually use in our consumer world, right? And then you think about film and it's like, hey, there's the fucking negative or there's the Polaroid. 
that is the most perfect form of an image you can possibly recreate. And anything further than that is just like a representation of the thought, you know? And I just think, yeah. I think about that a lot when I think film too. It's like, that's the fucking only one, the only fucking thing that's there. That is the most truest and purest form of that image and of that moment that you can get that isn't the thought, you know? It's amazing. Yeah, because we, and I think maybe part of that is to do that us humans get in the way. Uh, you know, yes, we did design the camera and we did design the, the film and we did design all that to reproduce and we've had our finger in that pie. Mm. But as you go down the digital path, we've had more people mess with it and more ideas and more desire to make it easy, desire to make it um, everyone can do it, desire to make it more reliable, predictable, you know, all that stuff that makes life better and makes us not get bloody COVID-19 because of <laughs> science and allow us to take an aspirin and all that stuff to make all that good stuff, which I do absolutely 100% love. I'm, I'm right sure. in for that. Um, mm. But it's, you know, as you go further and further down the track, even just shooting with your phone, mm. uh, you know, there's so much in the way of what you thought of when you're taking that picture and that scene to, to what it... Yeah, I'm with you on that. And that's actually why I've been messing with wet plate um, work because yeah. you actually take a piece of aluminium, mm. sheet of aluminium, you get a bit of liquid and you pour it on the aluminium and you yeah. swirl it around so that it's even, as yeah. even as my hands can make it. Yeah. You put it in the camera, you expose it, and then you take it out and you develop it and then that's all there is... There's nothing else. You got it. You screwed it. Whatever. That's all there is. And I find that really attractive. Um, yeah. But I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see it as in a. In a you know, like I try and put my business hat on and like because you know the whole eating, feeding, fifteen sure. staff, having kids. You know all that stuff gets in the way and, and making. I think where you are, what you're choosing to do, is the right medium for that. You know, shooting a medium. Uh, you know the right path. Shooting medium yeah. format. Shooting thirty five. Mm. connecting with people that and you can still do it and so if you can do it why the hell would you not do it you know well, that, and i think there is a difference like like you just said both of them are great for both different reasons right if it wasn't for digital i probably wouldn't have a, a career as i do now you know so i think digital is a great tool and that's what i say you know people treat their like digital cameras like they're these fucking babies and it's like it's a it's a tool you know it's yeah, a tool of yeah. trade they're super durable and they're amazing cameras and i love them because it has made my job a lot easier more efficient more reliable cheaper you know all that sort of stuff so it's great for fulfilling for me that business perspective of my life and you know i still do go out and take like artistic photos with my digital um for like elopements and couples and stuff and I'm, i very much love that but it is a very visceral change and process in your mind from when you're picking up a digital from when you're picking up a film or analog process and you're like you can feel like when you're talking about the Hasselblad rolling on and you can feel the mechanical bits and it's like we it's 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 this visceral connection like when we're winding it on we can feel the friction and then the winding and you can feel all the me mechanisms in the camera moving and then when it clocks on it has this release and this clunk and you're like fuck I just felt a camera wind on, you know, and with digital, you don't feel anything. It's just dun, 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 and then you see these things and numbers and pixels pop up on the screen and it's great. Fantastic tool, but it's not the same as that mechanical. I, I call it visceral. Like I think it's a, like, it's a part of you. It's like an extension of you when you are feeling that analog process and you can hold everything. You can smell it. You can taste it. You can fucking eat it if you want to, you know, it's all there. And it's just like, it's a part of us. And I think that's what's so 
I think that's what we're striving for a lot more in our like life and society anyway, to feel like a part of something. We yeah. all want to belong and we all want to feel like there's a sense of connection there with people within ourselves. And when you can actually pick up this little mechanical thing that's so fucking old and you don't know how it works or you do know how it works and we can feel connected to that, it's fucking beautiful. It, it feels so much more inside us emotionally than like, you know, than just like the task of just taking an image, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's so much. So community's huge for you, and mm. uh, and I know one of the things that where I first got chance to spend some serious time with you was at the Hotham Exposed mm. uh, Exposed Adventures at Mount Hotham last year. Yeah, uh, which you've run how many times now? Uh, that was the second one. No, yeah, that's the second big big Hotham workshop. So yeah. the first one we did um in the Blue Mountains camping. Um, oh. And that was awesome. We did it in TP tents and stuff, but we've come a long way since then. <laughs> well, that, that was awesome. Like, there was a ton of people up there. How many people did we have last year? I think overall it was like 55 or 60 all up, yeah. And that's, that's okay, so say there's recount. 60 people came to a workshop. They mm. were devoted for, what, three days, four days? What was it? Yeah, Two four days? days, four days. Four yeah. days. And mm. you're at Mount Hotham because it's a pretty unique location in, in uh, uh, autumn, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and so it's kind of perfect visually. And actually, I'm, I, I was thinking the times in my life where I've picked up a camera again and been inspired, like young, I did it all the time. Had my kids, all I could photograph for those first three years were kids, and mm. you know, like that's, well, you got to love your kids, but you get sick of taking photos of poor little bastards. Sure. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And the next time was when I went to. Um, I went to Yosemite yep. and and I walked into the door of Yosemite or the, through mm. the tunnel as feels like the door. And mm. I went, oh my God, I get it now. And then I actually, my next thought was, geez, Ansel Adams was lazy, you know, <laughs> never, never to be here and to never want to leave yeah. and to just photograph this joint. I totally get it. It's like the easiest thing in the world. He stepped out his door and boof, it it's was right, right there. So that was the second time. And then, you know, I've been on and off photography over the years of inspiration, but going to Hotham, mm. um, it triggered me again. And it was just, it's such a dramatic place. And actually really accessible, which I think is one of the smart things you chose. Yeah. You know. But also the people that were there, like what a great community you've, you've yeah. got together, you and Aaron. It's, um, we it's incredible. Really, we were really stoked, you know, like we're, we're just so fucking overwhelmed and happy with how this has gone, you know, like, you have this like concept and this vision and you think, Oh, hopefully, you know, this will work and it goes really well. And it's just, it's gone gangbusters and everyone that are coming are from, you know, all the people that attend these workshops are like all around the same sort of headspace, you know, like all just want to get out there and down to earth. And like what I, what Aaron and I are really proud about is like with the workshop is just the vulnerability that, we feel is like engulfed in this place. Like Aaron and I are both very open with like honesty and vulnerability and, you know, and how we portray and how we talk about our process and our life and our, how we view our work and stuff and photography in general. And, you know, once you sort of put, start putting that out and we had an amazing lineup last year that did the same thing. And it's just sort of everyone that everyone at the workshop just was vibing off that. And it creates this energy of like, fuck, we're like, it sounds so tacky. It sounds so fucking tacky. Like, but we're a family. Like, we all are 
going down the same path together where all these human beings were all these just living organisms and we're all here together to help each other and it was just it's just been so fucking beautiful and as you mentioned like mount hotham is just there's something i i've got a very visceral and personal relationship with mount hotham from my younger years um and there's a reason why i sort of was uh, pushing Mount Hotham on Aaron when we first started, um, you know, the workshop. And he was very, he, he didn't need much convincing. Um, when we went there, he was like, fuck, I understand. Um, but it's, you know, you you combine that sort of vulnerability and that emotional energy that we're all putting there as the community that we are. And then you go out to this place that just demands, like, it's, it's almost like, it's so beautiful, but almost like it, you get that sense of like, fuck, I'm so little in this world. Oh, yeah. And then you just think, holy shit, like there is stuff out there that's so much bigger than us and it humbles you and it's, yeah, it's such a beautiful place. I love it. Yeah, that was really a helpful, uh, like, I, 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 I don't want to make it sound like this, but a helpful trick of the workshop that, you, you know, you just you turn around and look out the window and you just do. Yeah. You know that whole scene in the yeah. cinematographers do where they draw the zoom in and you just fly out the window. Yeah. Like, you know, metaphorically, and you're over this thing like a bird in the sky looking down at... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and your breath was being taken away. Just... Mm. And I don't know, it's, I'm, a, I'm a kind of person who's a real sucker for that stuff, so... Um, yeah. But I think everyone at the workshop was an absolute sucker to it. And there was some, you know, some people there who, you know, I've known through the years uh, who've been in the industry, like Kelly Tunney and mm. um, and the like, who've been around for, for, for years. And... Um, seen a lot in the industry and been through a lot of part, a lot, lot of iterations of the industry because that's what we do is we go through these cycles of what works and what doesn't work and what people think's important. And mm. everyone there was was just following along and, and enjoyed being with each other. And the food was great, and uh, you know, it just it just really really worked. And um, I, I congratulations for it. I, I'm really looking forward to doing it again when you go. I know it's been knocked about because of the. COVID situation is meant to be around now, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's, it was meant to be uh, third week of it's third week of May every year. So we're just sort of Aaron and I are still in the process of chatting about what we're going to do about this year. But yeah, no, thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. You know, I, I got to take my hat off to Aaron. Aaron does a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, you know, Aaron does so much for this workshop and he's just very driven and very visionary. And yeah, we do make a really good team and we are just very proud of ourselves for how this has turned out. So we're stoked. And yeah. thank you so to you and Kate and the whole Atkins team for being a part of it because, you know, every single person that we have that come along to help us, like you guys, like you guys always make the road trip up from Adelaide and you bring fucking like a cargo shit worth of shit for everyone to look at. And it's just amazing that to see everyone sitting around, like focusing on the tangibility of what you guys do and the beauty of your products and your service and how genuine you guys are and how open you are. So yeah, we wouldn't be where we are without helps, you know, the helping of people like you guys. So thank you. Thanks. Like I think one of those moments for Kate where she felt really grounded um, and really at home um, mm. And that's, a, that's actually a little bit tricky for her when she's away from home and that she's not, you know, she's not a, a natural, she's quite an introverted person and she's not, but she felt like, man, this is, this is great. And so you guys made a great effort for, and I, I didn't think anyone there who, who felt left out or mm. who, who felt that. And then the people, the talent you brought along with were really cool. So everyone kind of got some great pictures, yeah, uh, which really helps you helps you with your confidence and um and that of shooting and also there's a lot of help with people shooting film 
Um, mm. There were some experienced people up there, like Simon on that, which were showing people and ex- answering questions and Aaron and mm. yeah, no, it's really cool. I, I do look forward to whatever you guys put together again. It's gonna be mm. it's gonna be killer. And we're gonna try and keep it at Mount Hotham every year because you know, as you just mentioned, Kate just felt at home there, and it's it is. I can blabber on for fucking ages about like how the energy of that place, like especially when you go there not in ski season because you just have this whole fucking mountain range to yourself and you hear nothing but wind and it's just you feel like the only person in the world and it's the world's such a big place and it's just so there's just something there about that place and the accessibility you know it's just if you haven't been to mount hotham just fucking drive there because it's like go there in summer autumn spring whatever just make an effort to go there and just just fucking be there because it's amazing it's kind of wasted on winter isn't it really Um, it really is it is (laughs) It's, it I mean, winters are beautiful and there's nothing more beautiful than snow and that sort of stuff. But sure. it's, it's such a – alpine regions are just killer outside of that. And people don't think to – you don't think, oh, I'll go to Hotham. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of accommodation. It's all available. The price is great. The yeah. trouble is the shops. There's not a lot. No. There's no restaurants and shops and that. you got to yeah. – that's a bit tricky. You want to ring ahead and make sure and see what food you've got to bring yeah. and that stuff because you're a little isolated. It's exciting though, you know, the best places in the world aren't the easiest to get to, so you need some sort of challenge, otherwise everyone would fucking be there. Oh, you're dead right with that, 100%. 100%. Mm. So, hey, look, tell me, I, wanted, I was curious about one of the pivots that you're working on recently with your couples photography yep. because, oh my God, is it spot on? <laughs> is it amazing? T- tell, yeah. us, tell us about it. Like, explain what the, what the idea is and, and what's happening with it. Okay, so like I think for every photographer that photograph that photographs couples, we all strive to like photograph couples like, you know, emotive and raw and within themselves and get that emotion as much as we can, right? And I think I've always thought like behind closed doors, the most emotive and connected and pure energy you'll ever have towards your partner is like pretty much like when you're in bed. You know, like there's there's nothing more vulnerable and raw than those emotions, right? And I always strive to photograph couples like in that state of vulnerability. And I never really, I've always wanted to do it, but I just didn't know how, right? And me and my partner, Ash. So it's pretty much Ash is like the driver for, for this business, right? And it's her world. She, she's been in, she's always been obsessed with that sort of level of art and photography and like, the like sort of you know raunchy vulnerability and that lust and that passion and that energy right and if if this business is anything it's a representation of mine and ash's relationship so if you look at the stuff that we take it's pretty much that's the energy and passion we have for each other so it's a it's like a self-portrait of us right and um yeah it's just pretty much like photographing couples at home we start in bed they can get as fucking raunchy or cute as cuddly as they want and, you know, we're, we're just sort of there playing like loud rock and roll music, like fuck, just smoking, drinking, doing fucking whatever. It's like this weird like underground world, right, that there's people out there that have this sort of energy and relationship. And the whole reason, one of the reasons why I thought it would be such a big push is um, I've got a barber who like trims my beard every now and then and he looks like... Really? Gal- someone does that, do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, this isn't just natural, mate. <laughs> And, um, he looks like Dallas Green from City in Colour. Like he's got neck tats, he's got silver, like silver fox look with a slick back hair, and he just looks amazing, right? Such an interesting guy. 
And he goes, oh, mate, like, I just got married. Like, do you want to see some photos? And I'm like, yeah, sweet. And he showed me this photo. And I just remember, like, going back to everything that we're talking about, right, of doing something because of the expectations. And he was just wearing this cream vest, cream pants, brown shoes, white shirt. And I was like, oh, that is so vanilla. And you are not vanilla, right? Like, he owns his own barbershop. He's super creative. He used to be in a rock and roll band. I'm like, there's people out there that have this lifestyle and there's nothing out there for them and i just thought it was really interesting because like you know ash and i did a shoot with a friend of mine um, ben from kings and thieves recently and he's like can we just do some stuff at home and we were like yeah anyway i'm down to my undies i don't care ash is down to her undies we're just sort of sitting on each other i put on um wish you were here by pink floyd on vinyl and that whole first you know shine on your crazy diamond one to four we just blasted and I just remember there was a moment where Ash and I just really got like really into it and really lost in each other and like I had no idea Ben was there and we were just so fucking there like just getting into it and I was like fuck I completely forgot Ben was there and I'm thinking there's got to be people out there that have this same emotion and same love and lust and passion for each other so that's where Ash and I sort of came together and, and made this business, which is called The Outlaws. And our tagline's for the lawfully outlawed, and it's for fucking people that ride bikes. It's for barbers. It's for fucking bikies. It's for ta tattoo artists, whoever. People who have the, this different type of love, you know, and this different type of way of showing that. Um, and we're lucky enough to get couples that allow us to come into that space and, and capture that, you know. It's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. And the imagery is amazing. And that video by, the King, by Kings and Thieves, uh, that little Vimeo is, is just awesome. Um, yeah, yeah it, oh, Amico, yeah. Sorry? Aaron from Amico. That did Sorry, Aaron from Amico. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. That was amazing. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, I was just thinking about the, like it's one thing to just to, to have that experience and feel it. It's the other thing to say, hey, can I bring my skill to that? Can I, is it something I'm comfortable to do and am I going to give this? And it's just, it's amazing that you've done it. You've built the, the brand. Mm. Um uh, in in you know tree style, it's awesome. It looks great, and Thank and you. the imagery is, is is fantastic. I think this is I think this is something that's going to really really hum and and mm. and and be great for you over the years. Look, we're hoping so, and you know I think I think it's a great time right now. You know, throughout this whole COVID nineteen thing, you know, a lot of people were planning weddings and having certain plans in mind to get married that have now been forced to change, and now we've brought out this you know, this, this other like string of photography and style in a way, cause we're going to come up with this We're we're building on it, but we can tell people about it. It's just, we're going to call, um, it's going to be called getting hitched in a ditch. And so where it's like that old Americana, Harley Davidson, Joshua tree vibe, where you just meet up with your mates, go for a fucking bike ride. And we might just be like, all right, we're going to drive from Newcastle to, Lithgow and we're just going to take back roads and see what we find along the way. And um, I've got a mate of mine who's got this really crazy sick bobber motorbike and he's going to yep. cruise with us. We're going to stop in some pubs along the way and just somewhere along the line, we'll just get married. And then we'll go to another pub, listen to some music, dance, get pissed, stay the night and then ride back home the next day. You know, like it's, that, it's just that different way of getting married, you know, and a lot of those sort of couples don't, really get married because they don't want to do the wedding and they think that that's the only way. So we're hoping to bring this out and be like, you know, and, and at the moment we're just focusing on couple shoots because another thing we believe is that you don't need to get married to get nice photos of yourselves. You know, like you should, 100%, 100%. We, we recognize that like 
you know, couples and individuals, we grow when we have good phases in our life. And it's like, why can't we get photos to celebrate that? And that's what we're trying to really push with outlaws as well. So we, we love it. And I think it's just, it's just so I can fucking talk about this forever because Ash and I are just so passionate about it. Just having couples that are vulnerable and raw and real and, you know, and I have to take my hat off again to Ash. Like Ash is, if I didn't have Ash to help me with this, it wouldn't happen. And a lot of the images are hers. You know, a lot of the fucking sick shots are hers. She is a very talented photographer and it's her world. And it's, it's awesome this dynamic when we were starting it because I have the background in photographing couples, I thought I would be the one that would come in and, <laughs> you know, um, sort of control and adjust and move a lot of stuff. And I feel like the second photographer, it's great. Ash goes, she comes up with all these ideas. She's like, Hey, move there. Hey, just fucking slap her ass. And I'm like, Holy shit. All right, let's do this. Bang, bang, bang. You know, it's just so it's on. And, and, and she's just, she's so amazing. I don't know if I didn't have her helping me out with this, I would have no fucking idea. So we've worked out that she brings that vibe and that energy and she knows what to do. I just bring the photographic knowledge and the film knowledge. So I've just taught Ash a lot about film and like what stocks to use, what cameras to use, flash and all that sort of stuff. And she does a lot of the setting up and a lot of directing. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. If, if she wasn't around, I would not be able to fucking do this thing. It's That's great. amazing. Just, you know, like it just this thing, it says to all your adaptability that you can go, this is, I, I know where I'm out of my depth and this person's better at this and I'm just... Go with it because world's a better place when you you, you, oh, know, you live and learn, isn't it? 100%. So it's something that we're just like, you know, we're, we're fucking, we can't wait for these restrictions to lift because we've got some really cool shoots planned up. And um, I think we're doing a shoot with this girl also. It's uh, just a solo shoot and she hit us up for a solo shoot. Um, and it's like a self-love shoot. So we're just going to rock up on film and she's just going to, it's like, it's not just like a rocking up to do a portrait session. We're just going to photograph her doing what she normally does, like, and like, you know, some sort of vulnerable shots and some like showers of her, photos of her showering. And it's, just, I don't know, just like, it's just like, we're not really 100% sure yet because we dictate every shoot around how that person is or how the couple is. We get to know them first. We don't have this template that we copy and paste. Yep. So we're going to catch up with her and talk about, you know, what she loves most about her body, what she doesn't love most about her body. And then we're like, okay, well, this is what we're going to help her with this. We're going to help her like really feel like she's the most beautiful thing that, that has ever walked this earth. Cause everyone deserves to feel like that. Everyone deserves to feel desired and loved and beautiful in their own way. Right. So, and that's something that Ash has always believed. And it's something that I've learned from Ash and we're really trying to bring with this outlaw thing. So um, yeah, we're just both so stoked and we just want to fucking, it, it was up to me. I'd be doing that full time because there's nothing more beautiful than being allowed to be in that person's vulnerable space and be trusted to capture that beautifully or in their own way and have them look back on those photos and go, yeah, we fucking love each other or I'm so happy with these, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, amazing. Yeah. We love it. So do you think that, I mean, this, i got a couple of questions popped out of that. How yeah. long will a shoot like that to expect take? Is that a half day thing or a full day thing? Half day, pretty much. We, we don't, we, it just depends on the couple. Like the one that we did, so we've done two. Um, we did one with a couple recently where they just caught up at home and they were just laying in bed, taking photos of each other, and they played with their dogs. Um, then we got in the car and we went, he owns a recording studio, and he's like, yep. oh. So we went into the recording studio, got some cool photos in there. He's like, oh, the, the roof's open, so we could walked up onto the top of the roof, got some weird shots up there, and then 
So it all just depends. Like we, we open up the whole day. We say to a couple, pretty much block out the whole day and we'll come over to your place in the morning and we'll start from there and we'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, another couple, we started at their place, did the same thing. Um, she was, so this is like a good example of seeing how a couple is, right? So she was a topless uh, waitress and he loved that. He was all about it. So pretty much within five minutes, she had her top off, everything was off, whatever, it was sweet. They were mucking around in bed, being cheeky, biting each other, like being like real raunchy. And then they had a shower together and we got some fucking sick, I got these photos of her eye makeup running down and then biting each other's lips with like harsh flash on a Pentax with black and white. It was so cool. Um, you know, is, that on, then, is that on the website under, yeah. is that, see the fuck, yeah, I did see that stuff, it's killer. Yeah, so that's Jake and Hope's shoot. Yeah, on the main, when you open up um, lawfullyoutlawed.com, the first photo is them in the shower. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, we're not tuning our own horn. It's just it's just this weird, like, thing that it, it's just, like, it's amazing when you can look at an image and you go, fuck, that's them, or that's so raw and that's so true to who they are. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so, and then after that, they got on their motorbike and they cruised down to Cathode Pub, which is like a pretty renowned motorbike pub here in Newcastle. So you're, you're played, in Newcastle, right? Yeah. 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 And then they played pool and got photos with all these choppers out the front and then went for a cruise and then they made out on the bike. It was fucking sick. You know, it was just, <laughs> we, we just go with it and go, what, what do you guys do? And then we just followed their energy and their vibe and we just make shit up along the way. It's great. And it's not like, like it's actually, I mean, I don't mean to be sticking my business hat on, but it's good. It's good business. These people have got money, like they they've got yeah. a, a life, and that it's a real thing. It's you know, it's a it's a really cool thing, and 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 I think in some ways, the more often, and I saw this happen with with uh, you know with birth photography, where it became okay to photograph um, you know childbirth, and I know it's always been done in a way, but man, it's at a level now that. Mm. I'm so thrilled for because photography, I just, I, I mean, I absolutely love photography. And I think it's an incredibly powerful tool. Sure. And anchoring times like this, times in your life, um, you know, where stuff is happening that might not be like this again, um, mm. to grab it, mm. you know, to, to lock it down with someone like yourself and Ash who, who can make sure it happens and make mm. sure it's locked down well. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a really cool cool opportunity it's it's great you know and 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 you know if you want to think about it from a business perspective these are people that spend thousands of dollars on body art you know like i'm talking people who are heavily tattooed that like tattoos aren't cheap you know especially when you get a lot of them and then good ones and good ones you know and so it's like these people like appreciate that art you know and they have like or they might have old harley motorbikes and they spend thousands of dollars and thousands of fucking hours working on this motorbike because they see it as this craft and this piece of art and it's something beautiful right so these people like really value that sort of stuff so why do they feel the pressure and this is just exactly what a priest with barefoot and bearded and exactly why outlaws exists why do these people feel like they've got to conform to society's expectations and go have a fucking wedding like everyone else or that they need to be engaged and they need to be having a wedding to get photos you know those sort of people need to be celebrated and know that they are desired and beautiful in their own way and that's what outlaws is about where where we're a couple out there to photograph the fucking misfits of the world that don't feel like they fit into the norms of society. And that's fine. And that's okay yeah, to have yeah. that, you know, and that's what we have. That's just killer. That's, that's so, so what, what do you feel it goes like, um, you know, uh, part of me is going, uh, well, this is a good, this is a great young people's game because people, 
get old and ugly pretty quickly. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm just being harsh about that. But, you, you know, you're just you're going to follow your nose, aren't you? Um, mm. You're just going to see where it goes and, and pick up the next opportunity as that happens. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, I, in, some, in many ways, though, this, out, this outlaw's idea actually, this actually could go for 60 years. That's what we're hoping, you know. And I think, like, when we, when we made this business, you know, I was very interested to obviously look like, hey, I wonder if there's anyone out there actually doing this. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that photograph, like, alternative couples and they have that sort of alternative vibe. And, but it's not as – well, no, no. You know, everyone does it differently. Ours is – I, we strive to be a bit more confronting in, in our marketing um, and the way that we portray ourselves because, you know, there's there's just so many people out there that have that energy that don't feel like they can do that, you know, or feel like they have to do that in their own little clique and that it's not beautiful and that it's not accepted. And, you know, for us, it's like we're, yes, it's only early days. I think we've been, this has been open for like a month, right? So we haven't been around for very long and what a time to open up during this <laughs> endemic shit, right? But it's like, we're really thinking and I'm, we're both very confident that this is going to, this is going to go really well. And I think it's going to go really big. Um, that's what we hope. And, you know, it's, we want to do this for a while. And I don't think it's going to be something like weddings where people are like, you know, it takes a toll on their body in a certain way. Like people get to a certain age where they shoot weddings and they're like, oh, like, you know, being on my feet and being focused for that long throughout the day, like takes a toll on us. And I think with us, it's like, yes, it's a big day and it's fine, but it's also very flexible and it's also very like adaptable to the couple. And I don't know, in terms of like a vision thing, like a lot of people go, oh, no one's going to hire a 50 year old person to come shoot like a 20 person year old wedding. And it's like, well, like Ash and I like is, Ash's thing is she's going to look like Amy Winehouse when she gets older. And <laughs> I'm going to have the same length hair, but all white and just like throw tats and whatever. Right. And it's like, whatever, like that's fine. They, we're going to be misfits as well at our age at that older age. And that's going to be fine because it's going to be accepted by those people that are, are the same culture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's it. I mean, you do, I think you do have to think that way a little bit, but, I think it's wrong to actually be focused on that. I think it's mm, so important yep. to be focused on now and in a couple of years and be watching that and pivoting on that. No, I mean, we're, we're talking about if you want to keep feeding yourself with photography, if you want if you want it to be your sustenance and you want your kids to be able to, you know, mm. have whatever you want your kids to be able to have and you want to travel, you have to think a little bit that way. But if you're thinking too far ahead, you just, I think you end up hamstringing the, the good ideas and going, oh, Look, it won't last ten years because I'm going to look like whatever, or who's going to be my people? Like, give yeah. a shit. It's it's not, no. you know. Worry about, the Worry about the now. And that like we're talking about before, it's like you know, people are so people fucking worry about that shit and it's like fucking hell how much of your emotional and, and mental energy are you wasting on that on a day-to-day -day basis when you could yeah, be putting yeah. it into the stuff that you're passionate about now and what's your cause you know like we we're talking about before what is the fucking cause behind what you're trying to do not just in your business but in your life and i think with outlaws it's like we're trying to just all we try and do our biggest cause is to, to create a space for these misfit couples to feel loved and comfortable and desired in their own way and be able to show love in their own way you know like not every couple is is physical lovey-dovey not every couple is a verbal thing you know like 
there's five that you know there are five different ways of showing love and they have their own very unique way of doing it you know not not as a blanket statement but like majority of them do so it's like they should be celebrated and feel like that's okay as well and they do but they don't feel comfortable to show that out to people because it is different from the norms of the society right so that's where we come in and we're like no however the fuck you guys are is perfect and that should be celebrated and you should feel loved and you should feel desired and beautiful in every way and that is our thing you know and that is our cause behind what we're pushing if if this closes down in six months who gives a fuck it was a great time you know if this closes down in six years that's fine 60 years who cares all we're thinking about is this is the cause we're trying to push whether it's through the form of using the tool of photography or if it's through fucking whatever comes along you know what in whatever way we can push that cause that is our fucking goal you know income is going to be secondary and like you know longevity is going to be third you know as long as we're pushing that fucking cause whatever the revolt results of that are then that's fine that's how it's meant to be yeah yeah you mentioned earlier that uh what a time to launch a business um mm. actually i don't think it's a i actually don't think it's that bad a time to put yeah. the visuals out there and getting people thinking about it. i think it's just going to build the desire up really well see that's the thing that's the other end of it it's like well people are on their phones and computer a lot more now so it's actually probably a great time to put it out there marketing wise but and they're lying around yeah, and I think the other thing for us, though, is that we really, before all this happened, we wanted to have not just a normal online drop. We actually wanted to do, like, a big launch party. Like, get – I've got a mate who does, like, custom cafe races and bobbers and motorbikes, and we were just going to book out a warehouse, have him bringing heaps of hot rods and motorbikes, and then we were going to have, like, a band. We are going to have an alcohol truck, and it was just going to be a free event that people just rock up. And we just go, hey, we're the fucking outlaws. This is, this is the shit we do. And, you know, I spoke to Kate about doing some really cool prints um, yep, yep. for it. Um, and we're just going to drop the video and say, this is what we fucking do. This is what we're about. This isn't just a photography business. It's a culture we're creating. It's this, it's this, it's this movement, right? It's this movement that we're trying to create. So it's we're going to every month when this launches back up, we're going to do like an outlaws social ride. So we're all going to meet somewhere go for a fucking cruise, meet up at a pub, have some beers. You know, it's this culture that we're trying to create because what we're doing and what we're launching is so much more than a fucking photography business. It's this culture and this movement that is for these people that don't feel like they belong to the norms. And we want to celebrate that and welcome them, not just into like taking photos, you know, it's so much bigger than us. So um, we're using this as a tool and as a transportation device to make that environment and make that culture. It's still a... It's a killer strategy, even if it was. I mean, it's not. It's clearly a very personal thing, but it's mm. a killer strategy that you're choosing to, to do with it. It's it's just great. We're um, really happy with it. Yeah, and tell me, tell me, um, what's things like around Newcastle with COVID, and what's the feeling out there? Um, oh, I don't know. I don't. I think it's very much similar to the rest of the world. I think you go out and there's certain people that we're all close to that are taking it very seriously. And then you go to the fucking beach and you think you see people everywhere and you think the fuck's going on here, you know? But I think, I think the majority of us, everyone is doing quite well here. Um, You know, I think we're all just trying to just stay at fucking home and get this thing as contained as possible before we, as much as we can, so we can resume somewhat normality. Um, I think a lot of people are just sitting around waiting for weddings to go back to normal, but things aren't going to go back to normal after this. And I think different things are going to be very different. And I think a lot of people aren't thinking like that. I think people are just thinking that, um, you know, 
the restrictions are going to get lifted and weddings are going to go back to normal. It's like, no, it's going to be very different to that. And I think we should be celebrating that and looking at that from a, I think we should be looking at this from a perspective of like, we can create a movement here. You know, we can hit the reset button on this industry and focus on marriages like I've been preaching on for fucking ever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we can be focusing on this in terms of a marriage and like, how can, like, I would love to be, just be like, all right, cool. I've got six, I've got four marriages this month. And, that, and that's how we talk about it and go, oh, what are you doing this day? Um, so I'm going to their place and then we're going to go to a coffee shop, their favorite coffee shop. They're going to have coffee. They're going to get married there. And then what they do on their normal days off, they go for a hike in the national park and like then go for a swim in the afternoon. So that's what we're going to do. You know, like, why isn't that a thing? And then like in a couple of weeks to a month later, they have a big delayed reception with all the big vendors with alcohol trucks and DJs and bands and have a big party, you know, like that's what I'm kind of hoping is the new shift of this industry um, just for people to think more consciously. And, um, you know, I think everyone's just sort of sitting around waiting for things to go back to normal, which it's not going to, which is fine. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping that we, we get a reset on a lot of stuff that we thought was important and things yeah. we had to do and, and stuff, as you'd mentioned before, that was really a construct. Um, mm. And look, you got to be careful in saying this because some of these constructs are turn out to be really important stuff in our sure. lives and we, we, we suffer when losing them, you know, just thinking caterers and um, yeah. and venues and that. It's going to be tough on, on them if mm. things do get simpler and smaller. But, look, maybe they can handle doing more weddings, you know, or more marriages in a shorter period of time. So mm. they're going to be pivoting more often. They're still doing the same sort of numbers, uh, you know, well, so for I, that they might make it through just fine. And look, I think when when all this sort of kicked up, right, I sort of put out a thing about elopements and potentially doing elopements. And naturally, throughout these times, people are very sensitive and very scared, right? So I got a lot of people hitting me up negatively about that sort of stuff. Did you? Yeah, like a lot, lot of lot of people sort of preaching um, that they thought I was trying to steal people's business and not thinking about the industry as a whole. And for oh, people so was who, other photographers, was it? it uh, yeah. Oh, that's and disappointing. Um, it is. And I think people and, and some of them were people that I knew quite well. And I thought that was just goes to show that people are very scared around this period because those people that actually knew me quite well should know that I'm not that type of person, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not a war it, profiteering situation. It's not. No. You know, and I think it's just like and I think all I was putting out there was like, hey, throughout this COVID shit, right, there's people that need to get married. Like, it's not just, you know, there's visa application worries that they need to get married for. Or like they've taken a month off work and they can't go back to work. So they need to make the most of this time so that what they need to elope, right? Or there's people out there that probably work for Qantas and got laid off and they can't afford to do anything. So they need to postpone, right? As an industry, we're going postpone, postpone, postpone as this big blanket statement where that is completely wrong. We need to be making the effort to communicate with our couples and with the individuals and get to know their specific circumstance and work with them on that, right? I'm very couple focused. Like I'm not saying this in a way that people should never do weddings and, and you never need to book a venue again. I'm saying that what I think the seller, when you're getting married, that is a commitment of two people and their love for each other. I don't think yeah. it's got shit to do with two families coming together because the grooms, the one partner's uncle isn't going to call the other partner's uncle in a year's time and go for a fucking beer. That just doesn't happen, right? Like it might happen for some people, but it, it isn't about two people coming together. I don't, um, two families coming together. It's about the celebration and the love and the commitment that these two people have. So that should be celebrated in a way that is, I think, this is my personal opinion, right? And this is 
everyone just needs to think consciously about that what they want right but this is what i think on my side that when ash and i get married it's going to be a very conscious very small intimate personal thing because that is our relationship and that is what we feel and then we will book a venue we will book an alcohol truck we will book a band we will book fucking you know a stylist we will book a florist whatever we'll book all those things that will still have a business but we'll just do them on a separate day you know we think about in weddings it's like Oh, your wedding day. What time are you getting married? Three o'clock. Okay. Three or four o'clock comes around every other day of the week in our normal life. And we think the day is almost fucking done. With yeah. weddings, you have to squeeze in getting married, photos, speeches, fucking cocktail hour, dancing, all within a space of like five hours. And it's three o'clock in the afternoon you start. That's like so much daylight. You've just wait, not wasted because you're spending with friends and family, but it's like, you know, it's just such a weird concept to me. Like that is what we do. And that is okay. Like your wedding day starts at three o'clock and then it's like nighttime, three, four hours later. And, you know, so I think the marriage should be that. And like, say for example, you having a delayed reception later on, you could start that at lunchtime. You could have a big party two weeks, two, three, four weeks later, starting at midday and go till fucking 10 PM and just have a party that whole time and not have to worry about anything. You don't have to duck off the speeches for 20 minutes here and then come back and then have this meal and then, oh, so-and-so speeches have got to start now. Like there's just so much pressure to fit so much in. Like why do we need to do it all in one day? You know, that's what I think is like, let's do, let's actually have the married component one, one day and then have the party and the reception component another day. So it's spaced out and you can actually enjoy this celebration rather than, never seeing your partner and getting into bed that night after a big wedding and looking at each other and go, fuck, like, how was your day? Was it good? Like, because you haven't seen each other, you know? It's crazy to me that that's the thing. And I understand why, and there's, you know, people can do it their own way and there's no right or wrong way, but it's just, it that this is my whole thing, right? It's just thinking consciously about all that stuff and does that suit you? Does that suit your relationship? Does that suit you as individuals? Because if not, there's ah, other ways to do this thing, you know? There isn't one and only way to do this. You can, you can do fucking whatever you want. And people, I just want people to think consciously about that because that's going to thrive in our industry. There's going to be so many more like businesses that pop up and so many more needs that will be created. So it's going to be great for our industry because there's going to be so many more like ways of doing things. So, so many more businesses to be opened and so much more business for us, right? Instead of trying to single out like just elope, don't do that. That's what people think I'm preaching. I'm not. I'm trying to actually expand our industry and our thought and our minds to the possibilities that are endless to get fucking married. And we will all thrive in this as an industry. And look, think. I mean, it's not like you've changed your tune at all. This is the no. same. I mean, it's not that COVID's come around and you've gone, I've got an idea that's going to screw everybody. I've um, been preaching this for fucking ever. You I know, know, I know. I've been doing this, but I like know. just now people are so much more sensitive and they think that I'm trying to like, I'm, all I'm seeing this is like, well, I'm not saying anything different than what I've been saying for fucking five, six years, but I'm seeing this as like, oh shit, here's an opportunity for all of us to really think consciously about this. I'm not trying to like, come in and change everyone's mind. I'm just trying to say, hey, here's a fucking possibility over here. I've been saying this forever. Like, this can still happen. This can happen. Maybe yeah. we can think about it like this. And people are like, you're just trying to steal business from us. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm trying to help us expand here and come out of this stronger. Because everyone's been saying the wedding industry might change and it's going to be bigger and better than ever. But it's not unless we have these conversations and these thought processes, you know. Um, I'm not saying that I'm right and I'm preaching everything that needs to be done, that, that there's my way or the fucking highway. I'm thinking, all I'm trying to say is, hey, there's different ways we can do this. Let's all think about this consciously as an industry and see what we can create with this, you know? Yeah, I, I, I was 
what when I was listening to you then, I, I had a moment because we used to go along to wedding fairs, which of course the you know big ones, the big state level ones. Sure. And we used to have a booth and we were promoting professional photography and all of our clients. And we used to have a competition where the brides would choose their favorite wedding photo or the brides, the people attending the, the show. And yeah. I remember being on what the, the very last one that was run. Uh, and it was, it's, they stopped because not nothing to do with COVID or anything. It's because as a business model, the large wedding fair, you know, the mm. big expo, it was just, just doesn't happen, right? Yeah. And I was watching this group of young, and it was a wedding party, young girls and boys. Mm. shopping up and down their aisles, collecting their show bags of stuff. Yep. And I was just like horrified thinking and listening to the talk and knowing that this is, you mentioned 60 grand and back then it was, they were talking 60 grand then was their budget. And mm. I, we would just talk to the brides. We had no stake in the game except for promote professional photography. We weren't mm. trying to sell them directly or anything. I was just saying, oh, how much are you planning on spending your wedding, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the whole... 60 grand on a wedding thing is like if you can afford it awesome but mm. that whole aspect of the industry including the expo was a bit of a dumbo feather where you just hoped you had to hold on to it and you had to hope it would stay and you just hoped against hope that it would stay and support all of mm. the industry as it was mm. and that is not the way to run a business you know mm. you know you can't run a business through this is we better hope this hangs on there you know we better we better hope and pray that this lasts you know, you've actually got to get down, pull the thing apart, look mm. at what it is, look at the problems, look at the opportunities, look at what's there and build a business going forward based on that. 100%. And I saw it at that time and, you know, it wasn't long after that. I'm not saying I'm any kind of a sage, but we sort of, we, we had been seeing certainly over the last 10 years our studio, the biggest studios struggle with multiple photographers employed. We saw them sort of just gradually implode slowly and a lot of people pivoted really well and changed mm. but some people just didn't want to lose that and were upset and mm. that's where a lot of the judgment came about like oh these young upstarts in mm. the industry they're they're taking the business away no they're not they're just recognizing the market for what it is that it's changed yeah. and it's changing um, yep. so you know like i'm i'm so glad to see that it keeps evolving uh, i'm so glad to see that you're doing what you're doing i mean if there's if as a giant sage as i'd now bestowed upon myself fairy godmother if mm. I could wave a magic wand, it would be that everyone could be so clear as to who they are and what mm. they want to do as you are. Um, yeah. It's just, it's breathtaking to, to see Joel and to be sort of in your orbit in that respect. And I hope that you keep looking forward and seeing out there and you never sort of crust over on this stuff and that you, you keep changing, man. It's, yeah. it's critical. And I think I'll always be like that. I'm always been someone to like, like you said, pull apart stuff and look at why and not just do it just because everyone else does it. And I think that is the norm of this industry. When you start up, it's like, this is what happens. This is what everyone else is doing. Therefore, I must try and do that, but do it better. You know, it's like that red ocean, blue ocean strategy. You're going to come in and try and do what everyone else is doing and try and do it better and battle with thousands. Or are you going to come in and look at what you're doing consciously and try and not change just because you want to be someone who's doing stuff differently. I think that's the difference. I think when we talk about this sort of stuff, people sit there and listen and go, well, do I need to do something different? And it's like, no, you don't have to do something different. You might do what everyone else is doing, but it's just the process of looking at what it is and consciously like pulling it apart and seeing what it is and then going, all right, is what everyone else doing or what I was going to do still fulfilling that purpose or going in the right direction, you know? And I think that's, I've always done that. And I've always had that thought process throughout my whole life. Like why we fucking do this? Like, and I, and I think more about it and look, I know, and I know for a fact that 
especially with all this stuff around the COVID-19, when, like I said, pissed off a lot of people. It's like, I know that throughout this process, I'm not going to make, there's going to be some people that are going to be upset with that process and that movement and those views of mine. And that's fine. You know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I'm entitled to mine. They're entitled to theirs. I'm not trying to change anyone's mind, but I just think some, there needs to be some challenge, you know, there has to be some, and that's what's so exciting about these sort of creative industries, right? It's the challenging and the uncertainty and the growing and the developing. As soon as I get to a point where I'm like, I'm fucking sweet, just cruising along. I'm like, I'm fucking bored. What's next? You know, what's <laughs> next? I just can't stay along doing something for too long, you know? So it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's a fucking pain in the ass. And like, as soon as I tell Ash, like, I've got a new business idea. She's like, just settle down. I'm like, no, I'm fucking going for it, you know? And I just get, I, it needs to be done yesterday because as soon as whatever's in my mind is on paper or on a screen or whatever, that's fine. But like, you know, I, I just get bored when it just, everything just seems to plateau and it seems too cruisy and easy because, you know, you're never growing and developing. I think my biggest value in my life as a human being is just to grow and, and, and develop myself, right? And if I don't feel like I'm doing that with everything that I'm doing is like, then I don't know what's the point, you know? Well, dude, it's been an hour and like 10 minutes or something. So Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to thank you. It's been awesome. It's been really cool. And I, um, I'm i going to keep an eye on you as as I will and see where you come up with. The whole industry is going to. Um, thank you so much for being a, uh, a guest on this in your time. I know, I know people are going to love it. I'm going to I'm gonna take that bit when you're talking about film and I'm going to like, I'm going <laughs> to learn that. I'm going to keep that in my head. That's, that's the most beautiful. In fact, I, I think... I think you were, I was quite moved by the whole thing and I, um, I, I'm going to, it's stuck in my brain. So really the best metaphor yet. So, Thanks, so cool. Mate. Hey, look, all the best, stay safe and, um, and, and love to that Ash. And she's doing a great job of, um, of guiding you and being a part of what you're doing. So congratulations. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, mate. I really appreciate it. When all this is done, we're going to get a flight to Adelaide and we'll come see you guys. 100%. <laughs> Thanks, mate. So what did you think? Why are you laughing? And I was not included in the podcast because I'm a lady. So what did you think of the Joel interview? Well, you know. It was awesome, wasn't it? He's 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 amazing. He's a very clever boy. He's kind of um I don't know how much of it came across in the podcast, but he's very frenetic. Like he's constantly messaging me going, I've got this amazing idea and we're gonna do this thing. And like there are great ideas. Like every second minute he's got some yeah. bit of genius flying out of him. What about the sexy stuff? What about the sexy stuff? I like the sexy stuff. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's very clever, isn't it? It's great work. It's beautiful work. But and you know what? Business, we have like, some very judgmental girls in this business, in our business, like as in, in, in the lab. Why are they judgmental? Well, because they see everything, right? They oh, see everything okay. all day long. And then they saw... And I was like, oh, Joel's doing porn. And they were like, oh, God. It's totally not porn. It's not porn. But he. <laughs> it's not porn. <laughs> and so they, they had a look at it, um, Laura in particular, and she was like, fuck, that's hot. Yeah. It that, is. That's the way to describe it. It's hot. So, and, and like, to, like, it's a good business. It's actually it's a really good business. business. I, I'd be, and tell me, I, I, one of the things I asked Joel is, did he feel there was, you know, like, you can time out of weddings. You can be a little yeah. bit old to shoot weddings. Are you going to be a little bit old to... No, come on. Sexy is sexy no matter how old you are. Yeah, okay. I thought the same after listening to him. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how old, you know, we've had long rants about 
when does photography morph into something else and something else? Because the reality is that if all photographers stayed being wedding photographers, stop looking at your fucking laptop. If they all <laughs> stayed being wedding photographers, they would there would be no new wedding photographers. Yeah, and that's the thing with it has to change. They stop. Things have they to go. Change. They go. Oh fuck this, and they go and work in an ad agency. They want their Saturdays or, back. They, that's it. They get. They have the babies. I'm waiting. Joel's going to have beautiful babies with that woman. More beautiful babies. He's already got one gorgeous baby. But if he has another gorgeous baby, he have like five gorgeous babies. I was going to say she's going to go. Yeah, all right. We say about weddings and Saturdays. What about October when we get allowed to have weddings again? Like there'll be weddings again before October, but every wedding that I know has been postponed to October. Well, October is going to be crackers for the poor wedding photographers. I've heard one guy yeah. shooting on Fridays. Yeah, I just I Mondays. hope that the brides and grooms aren't being dickheads and going, I want a Friday or a Saturday, and they're actually putting them on a Tuesday and a Wednesday because – Whoever said it had to be a Friday or a Saturday? Why did it have to be a Saturday? Everybody gets shit-faced on Thursday nights anyway. My mum and dad got married on a Thursday night. so you Like, know, what's the big deal? I know, I know. That's right. Especially if you're using Joel's wedding model, which is no weddings. That's right. He, he goes to a marriage. Yeah. He goes and witnesses a marriage. Yeah, it's what pretty do you, cool. What do you need for marriage? You know, the, the, the I two, would do that. If, I, if we were going to get married again, because I am not a party girl. Like, I do not like no. parties and I... Fuck that. So if we were going to get married again, Women to be stop in looking. We're meant to be in Paris right now. Oh, thank God we didn't do any I of that know, stupid but we were stuff. Gonna we ran Paris, out of money. Right? Yeah. Our wedding in 2020, we were going to be in Paris. Well, I mean, we weren't planning on having another marriage, but like talking about big romantic things. You're thinking of going away for a, a marriage? What were you thinking of for an elopement? For, for an elopement. Oh, yeah, I would totally do that. I would totally elope to somewhere. Yeah. You know, like go to bloody where all the – Where's that green shit that comes out for the sky? Where's that? What's oh, that green shit? Northern Lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go to the... the we the have some Northern Lighties down the Southern Lights in Tassie. That yeah, I don't like want to go to fucking Tassie. I want to go Tassie's somewhere. Wonderful. Oh, yes, Tassie's wonderful. But I would go, if I'm going to go in a lope... You want to go with the reindeer? I don't want to go to bloody Tasmania to a lope. I love Tasmania. I've never been to Tasmania, but I'm sure I would love Tasmania. You're going to love it. We're I'm going to totally do I'm going to do a road trip. When this corona... So are we gonna get, are we going to get sexy photos with Joel? You and Joel. No, you. You and Joel. No. (laughs) You and Joel. Sexy photos with you and Joel. You pivoted. I will pivot the shit out of that. Let's do that. No, we're not getting sexy photos. Nobody wants to see two fucking old people. It's fine. Joel's taking photos of young, hot people. No no one wants to see two people in their mid-40s going at it. I know. So... No, oh, here we go. Look your at you, you pivot on a dime with your bloody subject well, changes. I thought sexy and the secret life of colour colour this week would be But I'm wearing blue. It your moment blue. of colour. What? It's not blue. It's yeah, red. It's fucking not blue. Okay, it's, it's red. red. Because red. it's a sexy colour. Raunchy red. So there's a few little statistics. This is from Cassie St. Clair's The Secret Lives of Colour, which we love. Thank you, Cassia. Not that I've met you, but I would like very much too. It's a great book. Um some of the information uh, about some of the stats, okay? So the research has found that if you wore red as a waitress, tips increased by 26%. Now, is that in line with being blonde? So <laughs> blonde and a, and, and a waitress wearing red? I don't know, um, but we should look into the yellow-haired mob, whether that's a thing. Well, that's right. Um, there's tests that perform uh, that in the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens, combat sport competitors who wore red won 55% of the time. I want to see some evidence. How is that? That, that, that is that, evidence. That, that's not evidence. That's just a fucking bit of text in a book. That evidence. Is... Show me the numbers. 
Of course, the Chinese like red. Yeah. That's a big, big, a big colour for them. Yep. Um, it's a lucky uh, colour. And um, let's have a look here. Uh, it's pro- So here's a great description. Um, the potent brew of power and sexuality make the colour bold but a tricky choice for brands. Virgin, as in the airlines, <laughs> oh, which yeah. I don't think they're doing so well at the moment. Yeah, it's perhaps the best example island. of a company that successfully harnessed red's innate power but only by positioning itself as a bold outsider. Coca-Cola's red, very successful. Um, so... Red is a pretty interesting colour brand-wise, colour-wise. Aren't you going to tell us how we get red with the the weird little beetle? Yeah, I do love this one here. Doesn't everybody know that now? Well, they do, but listen to this little aspect of it because Cassia, of course, digs down and makes it interesting. In 1606, Cornelius Drabel, a Dutch scientist, probably pronounced totally differently, um, and the first man to build a working submarine. (laughs) 1606, right? Because a woman built one before? Probably. <laughs> you like how I did that? Yeah, I did. That. It's wonderful. Um, was making a thermometer in his lab in London, as you do. As the, like, uh, as the story goes, he boiled up a solution of purple-red cochineal and left it under his windowsill to, to cool. And somehow a vial of uh, aqua regia, a strong acidic m- mixture, broke and spilled across the tin window frame, splashing onto the cooling cochineal and instantly turning a liquid bright scarlet. One dyer's manual called the result flame-coloured scarlet, the finest and brightest colour, your throat, on the orange full fire and the brightness which dazzles the eye. So, so you know, there are lots of aspects to it. But, yes, the crush, the death of tiny little bugs. So um, does that mean red is not vegan? Uh, well, we Having the world's most famous interestingly vegan enough, on, the, on the show. Um, so here we go. The Nervo Constante, which sank off the coast of Louisiana, it's a ship, in 1766, was found to contain over 10,000 pounds of dye in leather sacks. It was deemed so valuable there were several attempts to bug-nap cochineal in order to break the Spanish monopoly. A foolhardy attempt in 1777 um, by a botanist from Lorraine was covertly financed by the, by the French government. So it's insane. And the actual numbers of bugs that it takes to make it, I think it's... Yes, it's kind of sad. And they grow on cactus leaves. <laughs> do they? They do grow on cactus leaves. How do they catch them? I don't know. Scrape no. them off. Come on. Get oh, I'm not going to read the entire book for you. I would <laughs> encourage the audience to go and purchase Secret yes. Lives of Colour. Do we get um, a cut? No, we, we get nothing Amazon. as a cut. I want to know if Cassie St. Clair happy with us talking about Probably that book not. from there. Reading out all the careful research. No, it's beautiful and it's worth reading. So yeah. there's your moment of colour. I love red. I love red too. It makes me look a bit flushed so I don't wear a lot of it. But it is, it's and it, it is a bit sort of, it's a funny colour. It's a sort of a bit, it's actually one of the only colours that Megan Morton cannot abide at all. But I, this week, this week was a hard week for me. Yeah. It was a hard week. And You wore red though? I wore red on one of the days and it felt really rude. It felt aggressive and sort of. I don't know, it just felt, everyone was like, oh, you look really nice in the red top. And I just felt really sort of, don't know, didn't feel right for these icky, weird existence we're in at the moment. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit, it is look at me and there's the whole association with the Catholic Church. Oh, I don't give a shit about that. No, 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 but there's the whole idea of of power wearing red and to enhance its power. And, you know, it was a colour for the Crusaders, you know, romping around the world trying to convert the the rest of the world to Christianity. I just so think it's so – I just think at the moment I any any really 
bright colours are just, I don't know, they're not, I'm not, not loving Not working it. for you? Nah, I'm all with the subdued. Maybe it's because the weather went to shit this week too. It was like Yeah, the, the rain and the darkness and felt kind of weird. Um, red, interestingly enough, um, is actually quite a tricky colour to print. Uh, we talked about pink being difficult, but it, pink and red are quite similar. Getting that fire engine red... Tradition through tradition goes brown real quick, doesn't it? Yeah, it goes brown really quickly. And if it's not handled well, you lose detail in it. So if you're trying to push that red to a maximum, ah. you can sometimes lose the shape of a shirt. Or yeah, I remember when um, when CMYK press printing went from uh, traditional methods of getting uh, oh, to, to digital press to from, digital pr- from, from ink no to making the plates Pl- from plates remember i was doing a satac guide and we had this bright red yeah. cover yeah. and they couldn't print it and they couldn't print it and they couldn't print it yeah. and then and they were having at the time they were having all these problems trying to get the separations right for the skin tones everybody looked like lobsters if you look at magazines from when would that have been so we're talking about early 2000s two, yeah early 2000 Matt, yeah. if you can find a magazine from the early 2000s that was printed in australia that people don't look like lobsters that yeah. was a good printer so, so what what actually happened at that stage there was there was a little transition period and there's an, a local magazine, I won't mention its name, Heron ah! SA, where... Who all, never all, paid all, anybody. Where in... What what would... See, I splashed her a little bit. You Shut up! This Happy is an Adelaide moment. No. Um, so what would happen is... The, they're gone now. Fuck them. They, no, they're not gone. They are. They're still in operation. So what, what would happen oh, is... Oh, that one. Different what, mob. What would happen is the um, actual shots inside... Um, and around the place that were commissioned for articles yes. were photographed on film, generally transparency film, scanned and printed off set. Yeah. Uh, the stuff that was of the social nature, the, the quick and dirty <laughs> stuff in the back, was the shot digitally. Nature. You know, just quick and dirty shots to yep. fill out the back of the magazine. Yep. And early digital days, they couldn't do that transformation. Uh, they couldn't convert the colours of CMYK mm-hmm. accurately. And <laughs> red and plasticky, greeny, yellow skin tones mm. were... Were everything, and but it was also specifically the midtones. There was this they're real flat, weren't they? Yeah, and, and they, no detail. And they would go, they would block up, and we would get these kind of like almost like you'd see in a really badly rendered gradient. Yeah. You know, it would just go, oh god, people looked so weird. Yeah, and, and the poor press printers, they didn't know how, they couldn't see it half the time. They couldn't. They had no idea what to do. Well, they didn't know what to do about it because they they work in CMYK and CMYK. They just look at the numbers. They look at the little dots on the thing and they go, "That's fine." They don't look at the whole image. But the the big trick of it was when they shot film. It was a loop they understood. Yeah, they had their own scanning gear which they'd set up. So when they scanned the film, made the plates. They knew what was going to happen. Yeah, it was the digital stuff which was coming from different digital cameras, different photographers, different editing platforms. And they, they were coming into mixing this work. Mess. And it was a really, it was for many years, I would say at least 10 years. It's great now. You don't really see issues no. with it other than the people who don't understand, you know, skin tone. But there are a number of fights that we had with people. Oh, 100%. Like was, I had a stand-up fight with a big printer in Adelaide. Yeah. Oh, man. How about colour management? I bloody ripped him one. And then he, remember, he apologised to my client for my behaviour. Yeah. And I destroyed him. Anyway, it was terrible. needless to say, he lost the job. But the there, there were the, very, there the, were the, dark days. Yes, but and, the interesting was thing was color. that they couldn't see that the profession of photography and the profession of printing photography had something to offer to the press printing Correct. crowd. They were just like, "What do you guys fucking know? And, You're and working in RGB. You don't know shit." And interestingly enough, 
they ignored that and most of those businesses are out of business. Yeah. And where and I think, you know, most labs frankly are out of business as well, but the, we're still doing the same thing we did from the late 90s, mid-90s when we started digital. Yep. Nothing really changed. We got into colour management early. They couldn't really afford to get into colour management, custom profile presses and ink sets. and like It would have been a nightmare for them. It would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars. But obviously some people managed it and some people didn't because Vanity Fair was still getting printed back then. It still looked good. Oh, totally. But we're talking like publications at the very top of their game yeah, I know. versus poor little Adelaide. I still haven't gotten over that asshole. No, it was a very unpleasant period. It were the dark ages for us. The dark a- well, for them, we were fine. Well, we No, were- they were the dark ages. Well, they were dark ages before. Because photographers were fighting each other. Some were saying yeah. film's better, some were saying digital's better. I know. Better. I was a film better girl. Well, and Joel, actually, interestingly enough, Joel is a film dude and he has a lot to say about it. Uh, and, you know, he's also quite fair about it because I think you have, yeah. to be, have to be reasonable about it. But, yeah, you, t- you struggle shooting digitally in a way that makes you happy. I just struggle shooting. Every time I pick up a camera, I start crying. Goes to shit. Everyone's like, "What do you mean you run a lab?" Blah, blah, blah. I am not a photographer. Okay, That's good to know. That. I hang out with photographers, and I think you're all gods because I don't know how the fuck you do it. Did we tell the people about that one time that I shot for half an hour and I couldn't work out why every time I shot it was going like weird red in the thing? And then I realized when I went back to my computer and plugged my fucking camera into my computer, and what was I doing? I don't know. Shooting on demo mode. Okay, demo mode. That's good. Ugh. What about the time? What a stupid thing! Why what? does demo mode even fucking exist? What about the time you t- took uh, medium format film to no. for, for a weekend? You shot the entire no. weekend and got nothing. <laughs> I didn't fucking mean to six rolls of fail. Anyhow. And John came down and went, "Yeah, there's nothing on it." And I, oh my god, it took it was all very my sad. strength not to burst into tears. It was so. Which awful. is why, when you get a new camera, on, yes, I we know, you've got to test it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the same goes for digital. Because demo mode still exists on cameras and I've heard yes, photographers get I demo mode the shit out of that shit. <laughs> Anyhow, let's leave these lovely people. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.